Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Another edition of Supercoach Edge, where we bring you all of the insight, analysis, and the edge for season 2021. My name's Damon, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Liam. Now we've titled this episode "Rope a Dope," which, of course, refers to a boxing term coined by the great Muhammad Ali, in which boxers wait for their opponent to tire out before striking their way to a win. It feels a bit that way in Supercoach at the moment, especially in the back part of the season with injuries mounting and a majority of the comp, like myself, now out of trades. <laughs> Could the rope dope method, Liam, be a legit way to make your way up the ranks if you have some trades in hand, much like yourself? Actually, I think I think there's some really strong potential for it, um, especially if you... I think, I think we'll have a bit of a chat later in the episode about some some methods that go along mm. with that rope dope um, yeah. style as well. Uh, won't, won't give away any spoilers. Uh, let's chat about it later. Next week, I reckon as well, given our current trend of win-loss, win-loss, now head-to-head, you can open the show next week with uh, with a great quote from uh, Muhammad Ali, of, <laughs> uh, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. After we see what my score was this week, we uh, may have a bit of a, a different take on that. <laughs> You'll bounce back. Uh, you bounce back. There's only one but, way to uh, go. It used to bounce back. Is, uh, it's pretty low. <laughs> there's only one way for me to go after <laughs> having no trades. But anyway, uh, before we jump into discussing the round that was, let's remind listeners where they can find us across our social channels. On Twitter, uh, search at supercoach underscore edge and you'll find us there. If you want to uh, follow Damon at DamoJ88, if you want to follow myself, it's at Liam Evans underscore 95 on Facebook and Insta. Just search Supercoach Edge and you will find us there. Yes. And uh, moving on to our first segment, we've already given away as to who won and who, who lost on the weekend. But uh, as I said, to be expected, <laughs> given our uh, current trend of head-to-head win-loss record. So uh, this segment, of course, is where the loser of the week in our head-to-head gets to kick it off as we introduce the good, the bad and the ugly. Wow, 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 wow. 
Yes, that's right. In the good, the bad and the ugly, every week we run through a quick recap of how our respective teams have performed and the players that stood out for both good and, in my case, for bad reasons. Um, I just, you know what? I just really don't want to talk about what happened last round. I think there's just one word for it and that was shocker. Absolute (laughs) shocker. I finished with a score of 2,256. Ugh. Still burns. Mm. Uh, it saw me fall down the rankings by 770 spots. You sit 3,087th overall. I came on the back of some absolute shocking scores due to tagging, role changes, and you know what? Just some generally poor play by mm. some players in yeah. my side. Uh, the one shining light, though, for me is that I did manage to finish top four in my two key <gasps> cash leagues. So. You know what that calls for, Liam? What? Let me get the boombox out. Oh, yes. Let's hit it. Yes, that's that's I guess the one the one the one thing that's redeemed my week is that I didn't drop out the top four at the very least, so I've got the double chance, which will be nice. On to my trades this round. Um, I just made the one this round, uh, moving Dustin Martin out for Matthew Kennedy from Your Mob Damon. I must say, not impressed. <laughs> He's uh, sputtered it up even more than Langers did. Oh, even that, more. That, that in burned. fairness, I will say it did seem like he got stationed in the forward line. Um, mm. without uh, Nakai in the yeah. side. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give him I'll give him that. I'll give him another week. Um, but dare I say it, after just one week in my side, could he find himself on the way out? Oh, a bit of a stern warning yeah. there, but... Got the trades. We've got, got the, the trades, exactly. mate. It's not, it's, not, it's not an empty warning like what, what I was rolling with, the late in the piece. I also can't uh. use next year you won't be in my side because I can guarantee you, Matthew Kennedy, you're not in my side next year, even if you <laughs> score 180 for the rest of the year. Now now I can I can at least say you know what it felt like firsthand to almost be a Carlton supporter on the weekend because oh, yeah, it, wasn't just, 100%. it wasn't just Keno that had a shit one. It was the entire team. Definitely. Um, he It's it's even more frustrating because Kennedy started really well. I think he was on like 30 at, 30 mm. at quarter time and I was like, yes, this is, this is going well. And then no. He made like another 18 points for the rest of the game. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. So onto my scores for the round. In the good, looking at my score, I'm actually surprised by how many strong scores I actually had. Rory Laird top scored with 178, followed by Danger with his 165. Whitfield, McRae, Daniel Oliver, Hall, Ridley, Lloyd, Lyons all cracked the ton, which was nice. There's actually quite a few tons in there considering I only scored 22 50 or whatever it was. I don't care. Um, <laughs> it's forgotten already. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In the bad, I have... Now, this bloke was in the ugly last week, and I've moved him up to the bad. Um, so it's Grundy. Oh, he's he's so, promoted. Yeah. He's, he's, he's upgraded himself a little bit there. Um, I gave him a spray last week and threatened his place on my side next year, and he really didn't respond. <laughs> Can I be honest? <laughs> what a rebel. Scored an 85. In fairness, I will say he did give up five frees against, um, oh, which would have which would have mer- uh, absolutely destroyed his scoring. So, and it's probably, it's probably in frustration to the rocket that you gave him. He yeah. was like, you know what? I'm just going to be a rebel even further Bloody and hell. just stick Come it on, right Grundy. up, William. Come on, Grundy. <laughs> It's not how we. It's not how we. We do it in in my team. Um, Send him to his room. I'll give. Him... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give him another chance. I'm gonna give him another chance. Oh, okay. Uh, One more. I'm being kind. Um, 
when when you score as low as I have, you really don't have much leg to stand on in, you know, throwing out the threats. So Kennedy has got another chance. Grundy's got another chance. The guys in the next in the next year. Mm. Mm. There is someone uh, interesting yeah, there that is someone uh, I've spoken about before. Yeah, wilted potentially. Oh, we know know a couple of players that wilted this round. Yes, there is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the ugly, I have May Walsh, Taranto, Merritt, Kennedy, and Bolton. Come on, guys, come on. And you know what? It really pains me to say it, but Darcy Parish, DP three, you've made your way here too with the forty nine as my captain. Ooh. What hope did I have this week? And I'm I'm willing to give Walsh, Merritt, Kennedy, because he's only been to my side once, um, and Parrish, uh, Parrish and Leeway, just because they have had some very strong scores this week, uh, this this year, and have really helped me propel myself up. But uh, come on, guys. Um, really need you to, to step it up, especially with finals on the line. Exactly. It's, it's, um, it's important territory at the moment. Yes, it is. Just in terms of, um, don't want to project forward, but just in in, in terms of parish, <laughs> just because it's fun. <laughs> hey, facing Sydney this weekend, is there a chance that uh, one Hewitt goes to Parish? Potentially, I think he probably does. It's it just it doesn't make sense to me in a sense. So I mean, after after halftime, none of the Essendon players came out so that's why Merritt had such a shit score um, but well they tagged Parrish the whole game but they were tagging Parrish up until half time Merritt was like off the chain and it just doesn't make sense why not swap Yeah, like you know I think Parrish is Parrish is like the in and under player Merritt's a bit more damaging on the outside which I think was working for them in the in that game obviously Merritt just mm. didn't didn't give a shit after half time so <laughs> that's that's why that happened but uh anyway well and truly off the boil. We'll just uh, move on. We'll move on. I don't want to talk about this week anymore. <laughs> Neither <laughs> do I from a Damon, calm perspective. You can, uh, you can go. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of my score, uh, ended up scoring not too bad. I was pretty happy with it, but it comes with a little asterisk as well. Uh, scored 2,461 and rose yes. up the rankings. 347 spots, which I was a little bit disappointed with um, because I, I thought that maybe it was a one out of the box for me but no it seemed like it, it wasn't potentially but now I sit uh, 3,671st overall and uh, I think the best part of my weekend was the fact that I nailed my captaincy option in McRae with 146 and yep. yeah he was one of the guys that we both spoke about in terms of uh, coming to calculations there with the C so eh, probably probably not too surprising there but I was just happy with the fact that I nailed that because <laughs> The past couple of weeks, it wasn't too good uh, in terms of captaincy options. So, uh, got to be happy with that. In terms of my trades, I am Liam officially oh, no. done and dusted. Stamp my papers. Uh, send me off to the pastures. Whatever other metaphors. That's season 20, 2021. No yeah, more that's trades. it. Done, done and dusted. It's it's been uh, a long journey. It's been a fun one. Um, stressful times as well. Does this mean you're not going to log into the app anymore? Uh like ghost ship it you reckon yeah. nah, nah not at all <laughs> not not until the end of the season we're still going to head to head even like I've got I'm still in in the running with uh, leagues you as well actually, which, yeah. which is good but um, embarrassing for you embarrassing for myself <laughs> in both of those leagues ahead of you but uh, <laughs> I, I want you to come second <laughs> I was, I was going to say, what about yourself? You're kind of in those leagues as well, but yeah, if you want to barrack for me, that's that's. Uh, You're I'm my second favorite that. team, Damon. <laughs> 
thank you. At least I've got someone else behind me. Um, just in terms of, yes, like you said, you've uh, you've qualified for finals mm, in yes. six of the cash leagues. I've qualified in five. Um, mm. Four of those five in top four and one of the five in top eight. So in a good spot at the moment, but I'm facing some tough opposition um, in at least a couple of those where I have double chances. So I will need them, that's for sure. Um, but just in terms of the trades that I used, um, the last two, of course, were on Jordan Degoe, Kmart Dusty. But now you could probably just call him outright Dusty oh, because he... Dusty is no longer oh, okay. at the moment. Right, yeah. So he's stepping into his shoes. <laughs> Hopefully you, uh, you can score a bit like him. Um, probably latter part of the season, Dusty type scoring. But um, also traded in uh, Dusty's teammate in Bolton. And uh, yes, that was uh, both of those trades at the expense of the injured Dusty himself and the Waterboy, who um, ironically enough was relegated to be Waterboy on the weekend for the Dons after being ousted. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous that Waterman was dropped. I was going to ask you as well. Do you think that was strange? Like, yeah. I was not going to pick that at all. No, I reckon potential. I just, I can't understand why you bring in Zaharakis. Um, mm. I, God loves Zaharakis. He'll always have a special place in my heart for what was it, 2009 Anzac yeah, Day. Anzac Day. Um, yep. But, and like he, he was always a decent enough player, um, but I just don't understand. He's not the future. He's the wrong side of 30. Waterman's um, going to be in the team going forward. Yep. It just didn't make sense to me. I don't think Saharak suffers as much as Waterman does um, overall. So it was very strange. I think potentially Waterman comes back in. Yeah. Oh, doesn't really help me now, but it helps you because I think you've still got him. Oh, sorry. did you trade him out? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so sorry. I had to trade him out sorry. because I was uh, I was uh, facing a zero. So I figured yep. now's sense. the time to bring in Bolton because he was on the verge of potentially going up in price again. <laughs> did he? But uh, did he go I up at all? I think he actually. I think he actually dropped in price, <laughs> which we'll get into a little bit a uh, little bit later when I go into the good, bad, and ugly because he does firmly sit in the ugly category. I'll give that away first and foremost, but. Um, yeah, I had to trade Waterboy out, uh, yeah, given enough. that, and uh, given Dunkley sat on the uh, on the pine as well because of COVID protocols. Yeah. Um, I was yeah facing a zero, so end up executing that trade as well as yes uh, Jordan Degoe in for Dusty. And whilst my score was a positive, it didn't come without its frustrations with a late projected score of. I think it was about 25-50 at one stage, <sighs> um, and going especially into the last couple of matches. Uh, it came to a screaming halt thanks to, uh, yeah, that man, uh, Bolton, and uh, someone else who I'll, uh, I'll single out <laughs> and uh, just aim my, uh, my laser crosshairs at. Uh, but in terms of um, the good, bad, and ugly, so uh, Laird whipped out a cracking 178, followed by Danger for 165. McRae, as I said, as the captain with 146. Daniels, 145, which, as I said to you before the start of the episode, I was really perplexed to see him scoring 145 yeah. I thought he had a good game but I didn't think it was 145 worthy but there we go he's uh, had one out of the box and then of course the pink sweaty pigs bounce back game of 144 um, in Oliver yes, that was uh, very nice. that was tasty to have uh, then it was followed up by Whitfield Gorn Hall Ridley Lloyd Lyons and Steele all raising the bat also and uh, like I mentioned Dunkley sat on the pine due to COVID protocols uh, but I had to use Madden who I'm thankful in having as that depth player. Uh, he came in as cover and scored a respectable or a semi-respectable 66. In terms of the bad, with back-to-back scores in the 60s, May, Stephen May, he, uh, he finds himself on the bad list. Now, he would be in the ugly list, but he's on the bad because of the fact that 
Uh, his shitness was eclipsed by two others, which I will detail very shortly. Um, he's actually joined by Merritt, um, who scored his second lowest total of the year with 71, um, but can cut him some slack as he has only scored below 100 in four out of 18 matches. So he's been really, really good value. Um, and I think, did you start with Merritt? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, that's, that's, a, that's a good that's a good starting player to have, and someone I'll be looking at very closely. Like he's been one of the most consistent players. Yeah, he's just been he hasn't smashed out massive scores, um, but he has um, just sort of had those really consistent um, above hundreds. Um, or and even then, like I think his of his four two were sort of seventy or below, um, mm. and one was uh, the other two were in the nineties off off the top of my head. So yeah. so pretty pretty reasonable. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, unfortunate to have him in the bad. And yeah, as I said, I'll definitely cut him some slack there. I didn't. <laughs> Come on. Well, Merritt, I'll, I'll be the, uh, which is quite strange to say, given I'm at supporting the enemy in Carlton, but I love you, Merritt. So um, you're, uh, I'll cut you some slack. But moving on quickly to the ugly, and the ugly I referred to in those Sunday matches, falls squarely on the duo of Bolton and Taranto, who scored 42 and 53 respectively. Now, it hurts even more knowing that I brought Bolton in instead of Hawkins, who had the chance of nabbing, uh, who absolutely killed it on the weekend. And he's snubbing his nose at, you know, the episodes where we've been chatting about Hawkins and, you know, his scores without Cameron and the analysis we did. And he's, he's bucking that trend because we found out that he's actually scoring better without, or just as good without Cameron in the team, which... Um, which we our analysis found that he was actually scoring shitter without uh, without Cameron, but yeah, he's in some really really good form. But Bolton, gee whiz, mate! You know he reminds me like he reminds me in terms of look and just the way he goes about things half heartedly. Yeah. Of Nick Kyrgios, mm, yeah. when he just doesn't give a shit. And I was watching him closely, just no sprinting, no second efforts, just just meandering about like, oh yeah, I'll I'll just jog over to this contest, running forward like of the ball like mate if you put your afterburners on you could run out into space like he's a speedy bloke and there was a couple of times there where he dropped like contested marks out in the lead just come on mate pull your socks up he's one that we I guess spoken about um, and this is exa- I don't know why I brought him in um, mm. because it was exactly what I thought is that he's going to be good in those wins but he's not going to be good in the losses um, yep. and when they lose badly which it, it, it's just it's something we've seen through the year um, yep. But I think they've got a reasonably good um, run home. So hopefully from here, it's not too big a concern. It pretty much classifies him as a bit of a, um, bit of a downhill skier yeah. or yeah, you know, a, a front, front runner. runner. Yeah. yeah, just because his form is tied in with the form of, of Richmond. Um, but just looking at, just like he had 76% CBAs on the weekend and that is his second highest percentage that he's had across the entire year. And to return that sort of score is pretty disappointing. But yeah, as you said, hopefully he can bounce back and Richmond have a relatively good draw to, uh, to end the yeah. season. So hopefully that can be turned around. But moving on to another guy, Timmy Taranto. Hey. He is all but on the burn list for oh. me. And I can see why he's so highly sought after in AFL Fantasy for his massive scoring. Because once you factor in his disposal efficiency for Supercoach, that alone brings his average and scoring average right down because he just he struggles from week to week to have a consistent positive I guess disposal efficiency like it was just absolutely terrible yeah yeah definitely 
and like even he was the same sort of thing as, as Bolton probably more so as well he was playing uh, I know we can probably cut him some slack in the fact that Leon Cameron absolute idiot um, didn't really give him <laughs> sorry just um, I could go a little bit harsher but absolute idiot Leon I know you're listening mate idiot because he only gave Toronto 11% CBAs 11% yeah I think there was a stat in like the first half he only had like one, C- one, one actual attendance and a standard bounce it's crazy you know who he gave his CBAs to instead there's a guy that plays up forward Brent Daniels 79% what what is what, is it? what did what did he score? Yeah, he scored ninety four. Ninety four points. So that doesn't bode well for Toronto either <laughs> going into this week because chances are that um that trend may continue. Yeah. Hey. Come on, Toronto. I might as well move Finlay McRae back there and, you know, just play Finlay McRae <laughs> instead of Toronto. Yeah, well I've got Bianco on the bench, so um oh, yeah, pull up your yeah, socks, Toronto. Point. Pull up your socks, mate. Otherwise you're you're on the bench. <laughs> if I had a had a bloody ace up my sleeve, you'd be gone, mate. You'd be gone. Anyway, moving on. Let's let's just... I, I'm probably more pissed off now <laughs> just talking about him than what you were with your week. Yeah, actually, I I kind of ignored Toronto. I didn't mm. didn't consider him. I'm really annoyed by some others, but um, yeah. I'm past the point of... I'm just not, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I probably need to get um, this off my chest now because, <laughs> uh, going, as I said, going by current trends in head-to-heads, you're no doubt... Yes. Going to beat me next week, and I might have a shit one in first week of finals. So oh, no, I'm just uh, just gaining momentum. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on to the running tally because um, I actually made some ground you up did. on you, which I didn't think I would do at all. You made alone a massive in, in run one week. In one week, yeah, what a dent! I still sit top of the ladder, 10, 10 wins, nine losses. Um, with obviously Damon on nine wins, ten losses. Um, but the point differential, so I think it was about three hundred and something last week. Um, you've whittled that down quite substantially. It's now only 105 points, um, which is very, very gettable. Um, yeah. Very, very gettable, especially with stupid Kennedy in my team. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I played a part in... in I don't know. No, no, no. I don't blame you. I was considering him. He was the most logical option at that stage. I should have bought Heaney in. Yeah. But anyway. No, I don't know about that. That's we'll talk about a week-to-week proposition. Yeah, we'll talk yes. about him some more. Yeah, I think it was... It was 310 was the differential. Yeah. Yeah, so you I made, made up, up 200, right, yeah, so 100, 205 points. 200, yeah, shit. And I, I must I must thank the man himself, <laughs> the, the man who I dubbed the colourful flower, who wilted once again oh. under the pressure of a tag, as I predicted many moons ago. Uh, but I'm just going to say this. You might need to find uh, someone else to um, to step into my shoes to host the uh, the podcast next season because don't be surprised, Liam, if an AFL coach <laughs> gives you the call up to operate as not just an assistant, but a senior assistant heading into 2022 with these sort of calls. Senior assistant. I'm still waiting for someone to tag Bont properly. If Who are Western Bulldogs playing this weekend? Uh, Adelaide. Oh, okay. Potential, but I still reckon mm. it's Libba. Libba cops it. Don't worry about Libba. <laughs> He's shit. He doesn't win matches off his own boot like we saw on the weekend with Bont. Like he, he absolutely killed Melbourne in that one quarter, like the last quarter. Uh, when will coaches learn? When will they hire either of us with mm. the crystal ball? The crystal, I just seriously, just hire us as consultants for the crystal ball. Yeah, exactly. And that's I'm not not saying that I had that insight because I'm some sort of wizard or witch. It was it was literally because of our patented crystal ball. I think that's that that that's pretty much the definition of being a wizard or a witch. <laughs> <laughs> 
you got me there. You got me more. Anyway, let's let's, let's move let's on move very on. quickly because uh, you've, or maybe I've um, tripped up there and people know my true form. Uh, lifted the curtain, the Wizard of Oz. Uh, let's have a look at all the happenings from the weekend by discussing the hottest topics, <laughs> plays and everything in between in the week that was. I don't care if Monday's black, Tuesday, Wednesday, hard to tell. Yes, let's kick it off. Round 19 was the final round of the Supercoach head-to-head season. From this round on, it's all about finals, and I am scared. Mm. Gonna be honest, no, I'm scared. You shouldn't be scared, though, because you've got, like, two trades up your sleeves. Yeah. I, I'm I the think... one who should be scared, Liam. I've got zero yeah, trades. Yeah, fair call, fair call. I think, I think I'm just very affected by my last score. So mm. I think if I can have, have a couple of... If I can get a good captain score, I'm, I'm, let's, let's see how we go. Let's see how we go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like I mentioned, uh, like we both mentioned, the tag was back in full effect this yeah, week, it and it was actually on both of our our boys, our boys uh, in Walsh, Walsh and, and Parish. So I don't know what these uh, what these coaches are up to, or what these super coach guys are up to, but your tricks aren't funny, mate. No, they're really not. They're really not. No. And Walsh no, was leave our boys alone. Both tagged by not traditional taggers as well. Lockie mm. Ash from uh, the Giants against Parish, who yeah. did a sublime job, I must say. And uh, Jai Simkin on, on Walshy, yeah, which was, was which interesting. We were discussing it last yeah, week. Just, it's quite funny. We did discuss it. Yeah, and well, we spoke about Cunnington, but like looking back, I mean, he probably doesn't have the yeah the endurance engine, or speed, yeah. and it probably takes um, him away but, from the actual contest where he needs to yeah. win. Pretty much every hit out goes straight to Cunnington with uh, mm. with Goldstein. Yeah. Yeah, but no, he, he played well, Simpkins, so I'll, I'll give him that. Give him that. And we, we suffered the fallout of COVID chaos this week with many premiums missing mm. for many different sides across the competition, uh, including the likes of Dunkley, Rowan Marshall, um, Tom Green. But most will be back this week, so hopefully the chaos has passed <laughs> and we can, uh, we can forget about it uh, from, for the rest of the season. It's all just a bad nightmare that happened a couple of rounds ago. <laughs> uh, it's just like one of those classic like storylines in Hollywood, like just waking up and it was all a dream. We're actually approaching yeah. round one. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, imagine that. COVID free. Maybe that's next year. Ah, we're dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're dreaming. <laughs> but let's move on. Uh, snappy show this one. Let's move on to the next segment, which is... The price is wrong, bitch. Yes, in The Price is Right, we would normally run through the top buy, sell, hold and wait options for this round of Supercoach. However, with the with the first round of finals upon us, we thought it was time to run through a few options that may give you, dare I say it, the edge <laughs> in the remaining rounds. <laughs> I'm not a rapper. Hey! See what I did there, Damon? Do you, do you see what I did? I don't think anyone's okay. noticed what you've done. Right. I thought it was but subtle, but uh, I don't know. It wasn't until you said, dare I say it, and like, <laughs> paused for like some dramatic sort of effect. applause. Hey, it was dramatic effect. I wasn't I wasn't expecting the applause. Yeah, okay. Not from you. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. You had it. <sighs> so before we kick off, uh, we both thought it might be worth mentioning a few different tactics that need to be considered from here. And uh, it's something that... Has been a bit of a one of which probably has been a bit of a bugbear for you. So not a bugbear, but something you wanted to, yeah. I guess, approach and and really tell the uh, the, the good folk of uh, the Supercoach community about because especially those who are just starting out in the community, um, a lot of people kind of get mixed up in 
you know, those guys that are, that they're trading in and they're looking more at historical data, which is normal to do, but with so few rounds remaining, there's a, there's a couple of reasons why you should maybe branch out to a, a few pods, Liam. So uh, let's have a look at some of the, uh, I guess, a couple of the points you wanted to touch on. Yeah, so first up, let's chat about, I guess, in the, the usual rules about injury affected players. So if a player gets injured, normally you'd consider sort of two or three weeks. Three weeks generally is like the, the, the turning point for when you'd trade them out. Um, mm. Now it's changed, obviously, with so few weeks left of their season. So a player who's due to miss just a single game due to injury is now out for a quarter of the remaining games, um, mm. which is obviously a, a, a big percentage when you think of it in that sense so anything yep. more than that and it's almost certainly worth trading uh so we don't run by those usual rules um and it's something that you should really consider unless of course uh, you do have an excellent bench cover instead or yeah, i guess if you have no trades left like yourself damon mm-hmm. um so with that in mind if you do have the trades up your sleeve um it may be worth moving them on for a warm body on the field especially factoring in the impact on league finals especially it's it's even i guess a player missing one week uh, which in weeks gone by, we would have said, no, it's time to move. Uh, it, it's not worth trading. Keep them in. You could, you could probably say as well, like not just for this week, but it's like every week from now on, given that, yeah, there's only, you know, what, four rounds remaining or whatever. Like yeah. with every passing week comes the likelihood that you'll need to use a trade on someone that's going to miss just a week. And it probably is something to factor in as well, because more so, I think for, for league finals and, Probably have a look at your opponents and the yeah, players definitely. that they have as well that you're facing on that given week. And obviously, if you, you know, this week is the week where you could secure a spot in the prelim final. So, you know, if you secure your spot and then obviously next week you've got the week off, um, you know, given that you wouldn't need to use a trade. So uh, there's something else to factor in um, because now tactics now sort of shift towards the league side of things as opposed to overall so that's probably another thing to look at as well um in terms of where you're placed uh in terms of league finals and and who you're facing or whether or not you've got the week off definitely definitely that's some very sage advice there now the second point that i wanted to make and this is uh very much on trend with what you were i guess talking about before so i guess we banged on all year about being mindful of picking pods and Mm. now i'm going to say we're going to flip that mentality so now's the time to take that risk. Um, you don't need to pick a player who's been top six or eight in their position if you do need to make a change. Um, you want to consider now players who, for the remaining weeks, will score like a top six or eight player. So just to make this a bit simpler, for instance, uh, we've got Jared Lyons. He'll most definitely finish as a top eight mid for the year. His recent form, though, hasn't shown that. So he's not scoring like that mm. top eight mid or the, the scores that got him to be that top eight mid so far in the season. And that's why, despite his his price is pretty pretty reasonable, but you may be better off looking at other players who probably pretty much won't finish as a top eight mid this year, um, but they're currently scoring like a top eight mid. So an Ollie Wines type, for an example. Uh, the fact that Wines is averaging 129 in his last three games and is only in 6.2% of teams makes him a player that might clinch you a win in a Supercoach final. And as they say, you've obviously got to risk it to get the biscuit. So, of course, you are putting in more of a risk with a with a pot option but there's more upside so it's it's players that we'll discuss um in a in a little bit in this episode as well um who who are low percentage ownership but are scoring quite highly they might they might have had a had a bit of a slower start to the season they might have missed a few games in the season and that's why they're not they're not considered a top six to eight in their position but it's these guys that from here on out could really 
help propel you up um, in those finals. Yeah. I think, yeah, another way of, of sort of talking about it simplistically is like compared to during the season when we were looking at, you know, the longer term outlook on things where we were looking at yep. more so the season average over an extended period because, yeah, we've only got four weeks remaining. The short term is something that you probably place more emphasis on now. So when you're having a look at, you know, their their past five matches and, and more specifically their past three matches, like you said with Wines as an example, that's something to factor in as opposed to like Lions, his season average, because I mean, the short-term form is something that holds more weight as opposed to their all-over season form. So exactly. yeah, that's that's the way to sort of look at things and, and switch it around in that sense. So in a sense, you're looking at players who for the remaining rounds will play like a top six to eight mid so it's they, they, they might not be able to bridge the gap they may have changed their role they may have been injured for half the season and therefore won't finish in total points in that position right right now they're scoring if they'd done that for the rest of the season they'd be scoring as a top to six to eight mid and that's what you're looking yep. for that's the real the real change you know, that you want in your side absolutely so uh let's ponder some options that might help you get again the edge I'm not a in coming weeks that come with lower ownership as a genuine pod with players like Pendles and Fife out for the season with injuries. If you've got DPP abilities to spot players across lines, these are the top options to replace them with. And first cab off the rank is, uh, is one I think everyone should have in their team. Mm-hmm. And uh, of the guys that we're mentioning, he is the highest in terms of ownership. It is Lockie Whitfield as a defender, priced at a juicy 477.6k, averaging 94.7 with a break-even of 105. Ownership sits at 14.8, and uh, I can only imagine for those who are looking to bring in someone relatively, uh, I guess not not so much cheap, but uh, value yeah. uh, in that sense, they will bring him in. And uh, there's no doubting he's back to his best off halfback against the Dons on the weekend. And uh, he did return from his concussion, of course, with a season-high score of 146. So, yeah, if there's any doubt over uh, any lingering issues there, they have been quashed. And uh, just accounting for his injury, affected 32 against the Suns. Since his return in round seven, Whitfield hasn't gone below 74 with five tons from 11 games. So uh, that really does underline his impact and effect on games uh, that he can have. And he was a clear best on ground against uh, your mob on the weekend. He was just everywhere, uh, pushing up the ground. And it's just his, you know, if I'm comparing him to the guy that's in my crosshairs (laughs) in Toronto, he is just so effective with his kicking, you know, short form kicking, long form. He just does it all. And he's just got that aerobic ability to him where his opponents can't run with him. He can spread off play. He's just, he's amazing. And, you know, whilst, like I said, he isn't so much a pod, in that sense in terms of his ownership he comes with consistent and solid scoring at an ultra cheap price so in my books uh, he's a must have yeah definitely I agree with you entirely there if you can move say a lead into your mids um, for a Pendlebury or Fife if you've got them um, I'd be bringing in Lockie Whitfield there price wise I think it's only about 10 to 20k difference Um, so you'll you'll have to dish out an extra 10 to 20k but it's uh, well worth it for a player that's uh, got the ceiling that Lucky Whitfield has, uh, but also the consistency yep. as well. Um, you could potentially get him a bit cheaper in a week, but I don't think you get him much cheaper. 105 break even is probably likely to make that or get very close. So it's it's also banking those points uh, at this point of the season. Sometimes it's worth paying a little bit extra. Um, because you'll get those points in this week instead. Uh, moving on, uh, we've got the man we mentioned earlier, Ollie Wines, mid-eligible, 597.9K, 
averaging 110.7, break-even of 78, and an ownership of just 6.2%. He's, oh. I'd say quietly, but I think he's getting a bit more bit more uh, word coming out about him um, now, mm. a bit more talked about. Uh, but he's been putting together, quietly, I guess, a, a very solid season, and is the 13th highest scoring mid for the season. He's got a three-round average of 129 and a five-round average of 116.2. His lowest score for the season is a 70, and his lowest score since mm. round nine is an 85, which is followed by a 100, and is averaging 121.5 since then. Jeez. He's only in 6.2% of teams. You'll, you'll have to dish out uh, off memory about 50K, 40, 50K for him if you're replacing him from Pendles or, or Fife. But if you've got the cash somewhere, he's definitely one to be moving in. Potentially, even if you had the trades, you might want to sideways someone to him um, as well. Yeah, and just looking at his ownership, uh, he's been relatively consistent. Uh, well, hasn't really gone up too uh, markedly, but um, round 14 to round 18, he's only gone up 0.6%. Mm. And uh, actually on the weekend from round 18 into round 19, he's gone up uh, 0.5%. So he's starting to go up um, pretty uh, pretty starkly within uh, within the, the space of one week there. So uh, yeah, people are slowly cottoning onto him and he does have that ceiling. And just looking at his run home, he's got the Giants on at the weekend, but then he's got Adelaide, he's got Carlton, uh, my team, Easy Beats, and then he has a bit of a tough one in round 23 against the Bulldogs. But yeah, there's no doubting his, uh, his ceiling and that floor, of course, which you spoke about, uh, the low score of 85 uh, from round nine onwards um, is, yeah, someone that you can really hang your hat on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on to another prospect in Luke Parker. Uh, priced at 572K, averaging 106.3 with a break-even of 89 and an ownership of just 2.8%. And he's another pot option who's running into relatively good form. Um, and the one thing with him as well is he tends to do this towards the back end yeah. of seasons and he's very similar to uh, to a Dusty in that sense. I must say though, he's not as reliable a scorer as Ollie Wines, but still loves to end the season with a bang. His lowest score in his last three matches is at 122 and has an average of 127.3 in those games. And uh, he is in form and has matches against Essendon, St Kilda, North and the Suns for the rest of the season. So he does have quite a favourable run. He averages 100.9, 103.1, 102.5, and 110.4 against those sides. So uh, he's backed up by a bit of historical data there, which is uh, which is always a good thing. And with his ownership of just 2.8%, you know, he's a definite risk in that sense because if he does have a bit of a Debbie Downer, um, mm. it means that, you know, you're obviously going to be impacted in those league head-to-head finals matches um, if your opponent doesn't have him. But... On the uh, on the other side of the coin, if he has a blinder, that's going to help you. So uh, you know, risk v reward type scenario there. And with these historical averages, I think that that probably gives you a bit of confidence. Um, but yeah, it's uh, those risks that you've got to take. I think if you're uh, looking to get the edge. I'm not, I'm not a rapper. There we go. Done it again. God, that's over three, the competition. Three times we worked that in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'd like the Luke Parker pick. It's not going to cost you too much compared to like other mids. He's got a pretty good form um, in in recent weeks. He's got a good run coming up. Um, it's a risk, but sometimes it's just what you're going to do is take those risks. So I'm not against it. Yeah, and even having a look at uh, just quickly at Parker's uh, run into Supercoach finals last year, 
He scored 127, 86, 136, and 127. Mm, so uh, nice. he hits the form at the right stage, <laughs> that's for sure. So, I mean, as we say, with uh, compare the pair, past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. <laughs> Which probably means that goes against what we're trying to say. <laughs> but, I mean, you've got to factor it in. No, I think in, it's, I think. It's, it's not a reliable indicator. It's, yeah, it's an, it's it's an, an indicator. indicator. Um, yep. It's just that, you know, they don't want you to sue them for, uh, <laughs> for, for using that. So I understand yeah. it. And we say the same. We don't want you to sue us either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you happen to lose your your cash leaks don't come at yeah, us yeah you can uh, email us at damon no <laughs> <laughs> you can just send all your complaints to at damoj88 <laughs> uh, or, you, or you can actually just email industry super at <laughs> compare the pair <laughs> I don't even know what their full email is uh, so uh, anyway anyway moving, moving on, on. <laughs> another pod option i love this episode uh bailey smith midfield eligible 497.3 k averaging 89.3 a break even of 50 with an ownership of 8.4 percent this bloke would be a big pod for your midfield to replace the likes of a fife or a pendlebury he would cost you probably about an extra 50k yeah about 50k um on pendles or a fife um, he has a three-round average of 123 and a five-round average of 114. And he's hit a good run of form at the right stage of the season for the Doggies as well. Since round 15, his scores read 126, 75, 124, 104, and 141. It's not without its risk. The Doggies do obviously have Dunkley and Trelaw to fit back into their sides. But uh, Baslenka did manage 104 with Dunkley's return in the side. So it's not not as though his role changed entirely. With Trelaw coming back, there's that risk that they they decide to move Bailey Smith into a into a more forward-centric role, I guess. Um, it's, it's a pick that isn't for the faint of heart, as between rounds 2 and 14, he didn't turn up once. He did get close mm. with three scores in the mid-90s. But he also low scores of thirty eight and forty six. It's 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 a definite risk versus reward. Um, I think it's something that I guess we've spoken about in recent weeks with with Clem of looking at looking at players that um, that have changed their role and therefore it's affected their super coach scoring. The concern for me with Bailey Smith is whether that role changes back. Mm. Um, obviously, Trelaw's been out for a while and Dunkley's also been out for a while, but. I don't know, with the inclusions of those two heading into finals, it could affect his role on the side. It's it's just, it's hard to, I mean, you can't, we, while, we, while we say we've got the crystal ball, um, sometimes it's um, a bit foggy uh, in, uh, in these sorts of situations. And, you know, we can't trust the coaches. We can't trust the coaches. Mm-hmm. They just make up their own minds at last minute and change things around. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, it has some merit, I think, from what you're saying in terms of the role and stuff. Just having a quick look at whether or not there's correlations with, you know, Bailey Smith's uptick in CBAs mm-hmm. uh, compared to, you know, when Trelaw and Dunkley was there. So when both of those guys were in the team, Bailey Smith actually didn't get any CBAs up until round six, mm-hmm. which was when um, Dunkley went down with an injury. Um, and then from round seven onwards, his uptick in CBAs started to go up. So it looks as though with at least one of the guys and during over that period as well, when Dunkley went out, Trelaw was still there for the next five weeks and um, over that period as well Bailey Smith's CBA started to go up so 
I mean, that probably indicates with one of those guys being back, which now is happening with Dunkley, uh, his form and, you know, CPA percentage should persist. But I think when both of those guys are back, uh, you could probably, you know, like we said before, uh, past performance isn't an indicator <laughs> or true indicator. But I mean, that's a pretty reliable um, correlation between both of those guys there being back in the team and him losing CBAs. So I think once they're back and Trelaw, I think, is slated to return in one to two weeks. Um, so, you know, with four weeks remaining, uh, you could probably take the risk. But if you do end up making your grand final um, or even the, the prelim week um, and Trelaw makes a return then, you may see a bit of a, you know, a degradation of, uh, I guess, the, the scoring yeah. um, potentially. I'm not going to say it's going to happen, but I think his role may, may shift. It's a hard yeah. one to, yeah. And like he plays on the wing as well at times. I think if he's pushed out into the wing, it just comes down to form as well. He's hit really good form. So there's no reason to suggest that even if he's pushed out to the wing that he just loses that form completely. So, yeah, it's hard to, as you said, with the crystal ball even, it's hard to predict. But you can just go off, I guess, roll on the team and, mm. yeah, just try and work out if it's going to persist. And I think it will in the short term. But once those two guys return, um, it may affect him um, a little bit as to how much they will. It's just a pure guess. Definitely. Because um, that's the thing as well. Like when Dunkley was back... Uh, in the week before, weekend before last, uh, Dunkley had 61% CBAs and uh, Smiths was 68%. Um, so, and he only went up 5% on the weekend with Dunkley not being there. So, that shows that it is going to persist when Dunkley returns this weekend. Um, so, I guess you can go off that uh, in the short term anyway. Yeah. Um, moving on to a, another returning player in Rowan Marshall as a ruck forward, priced at still a juicy 464.6K with an average of 89.8 and a break even of 53. And his ownership sits uh, at a relatively low still, I think, mm. uh, 6.3%. So after spending the week in isolation after being at a tier one exposure site, uh, like a majority of the bloody competition, it seemed. <laughs> um, the Saints big man is ready to get back into our sides. He has had a three-round average of 107.3 in games against Port Adelaide, Brisbane, and Collingwood, with his lowest score in those three games of 95. The major concern here is his injury history, but his DPP status makes him even more so a handy acquisition if, God forbid, something happens to all of our rucks um, in Gondi. So, um, yeah, it comes with that element of um, security, I think, across both of those lines in the ruck and forwards. Um, if I had my time again, and uh, if Marshall wasn't out on the weekend, I would have opted for him over Bolton. Um, easy to say in retrospect, of course, but um, I think, yeah, just the way that he's scoring again now uh, really shows that, you know, he can really contribute to your side and, and, and really contribute a winning score, I think. Yeah, definitely. He's one that I I like. I'm just worried again about his injury uh, history with that foot, but hmm. mm. I mean, there's only a few rounds left. Maybe you'll get through. And his, his scoring has been really, really strong, which is nice to see. Uh, moving on to the next guy, I've got him on the list. He's not going to play this week, but he's one to consider and even one to consider in the future. It's uh, Taron Thomas from North Melbourne, forward eligible this year, uh, 463.9K, averaging 81.6, break even of 32, and, own- and ownership of just 1.2 
percent. He'll miss this week uh, with delayed concussion. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, a weird one. He played out the game, um, but obviously mm. developed the symptoms. Yeah, absolutely killed it after the game. Keep him in mind for the week after, um, if you're still in the market for someone then. Of his last 10 games, seven have been 94 plus. Wow. Um, which is which is massive for for Taron Thomas. Uh, if not a player you bring in this year, is definitely one to consider as a breakout option for next year. So keep him keep him loosely in your minds. Yeah, he seems like from round five onwards, he's really been given uh, a go in the in the engine room. I think yep. as well. Still spending, he's getting around about fifty percent of time uh, in the engine room for North. But yeah, like you said, he's uh, he's really hitting strides now and taking his game to the next level. So. He is someone definitely to look at. Um, and I don't know, in terms of qualifying for to still be forward eligible as a forward status player. I think it's 25%. You just play 25% of your game forward. Going by CBA, surely he's switching it up. Yeah. I, I would have yeah, thought he would have crossed, played, anyway. and especially, early, I think it's the whole season as well. Early on. So early on yep. in the season, he would have been playing more predominantly as a forward. So you'd expect him, to, average it out. Yeah. You'd expect him to continue, hopefully as a mid forward at least next year. Mm, yeah, that'll be, uh, be handy to have and, and someone, yeah, as you said, to be looking at. Uh, moving on to someone else in the forward line uh, who should be fraught with danger but also uh, can really have one out of the box and it is Isaac Heaney. He is priced at 417.2k, averaging 80.2 with a break-even of 33 and a relatively high ownership at 15.5%. Probably caused a few headaches for those owners there and I reckon a majority of those coaches who own him would have jumped on him uh, when he was... Uh, 300-ish K, wasn't he? It was very much a bargain. Yeah. But yes, Isaac Heaney, what can we say? <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's a seesawing type player. His average in the last three weeks is 103, which is made up of scores of 95, 86, and 128 uh, against Frio. And his run home, in the words of Bruce McAvaney, is... Liam. Delicious. <laughs> Isn't he delicious? <laughs> <laughs> And um, on, he's run home. He is against Essendon, St Kilda, North, Gold Coast, who he averages 98.1, 87, 97.6 and 97.2 against respectively. So, uh, I mean, that's, again, uh, past indicator isn't. <laughs> yeah, past performance isn't indicated. Yada, yada, yada. You've heard it all before. Don't email us. Email bloody whoever it is. You, you've said it here best, haven't you? He's, he's a pick that you, you hate. I absolutely hate picking him. Because uh, he can turn it on and off like a tap, uh, mm. but at that price, he could be a, a savior for some sides with the, his run home. Um, mm. Equally, though, he could break down at trading and miss the next four, <laughs> uh, or just potentially even put up a stinker and lose you a crucial league final. So, as uh, as I learnt in my uh, consumer law course, uh, buyer beware. And was that consumer course conducted by uh, our very own concert? <laughs> yeah, pretty much it was. He <laughs> was like, as long as they get it out of the store and you have the money in your hand, who gives a shit? <laughs> Doesn't matter if you have not nailed in one of the legs to your chairs and that falls off as a As long it. as it's hollow. <laughs> as long oh, as... <laughs> that's how you make the extra dollars, yes? Uh, yes good, good old Franco. Franco. God, Franco. Good he uh, couldn't make it today. Uh, he had some uh, pre-existing. Um... <laughs> in other words, he was in remand. He, he couldn't. We couldn't post him for bail, unfortunately. Maybe he'll be back next week. Is that where he was? <laughs> oh wait, uh, no, he wasn't. He was uh, other commitments. Yes, he was not in prison, um, awaiting trial. Hey, no, no, no. We love Franco. Yes, thank you, thank you, Franco, for all you've done so far, and um, 
<laughs> Let's move on. So what's your what's your what's your thoughts, David? Would you bring him in? Uh no. You broke it down spot on. Like he's a sort of player that can make or break your season and mm. you can't afford to have players like that. I know we're all about like risk v reward, but I'm still I like to err on the side of caution and go for calculated risks. But in his sense, he poses too much of a risk. I'd much prefer to spend up to a more risky player, I guess, in Marshall. If you're strapped for cash, I guess so, but I'd probably go for someone else, Lamb. Yeah. Someone else that uh, you can fill us in on. Yeah, let's have a chat about Daniel Rioli uh, from the Tigers. 293.5k is his price, averaging 57, break even of minus 20, with an ownership of just 0.7%. I'm sure that will go up. Um, a bit this week he's probably the most uber of pods on offer uh, the ones that we're discussing and this guy is the one I am probably most bullish about definitely ahead of Isaac Heaney Ugh, don't want him yeah. as Clem uh, the the number one super coach the, the player ranked number one in super coach a couple of rounds ago that we had on and uh, spoke to uh, as he mentioned on the potty a few weeks ago you want to look for players that have had a recent change in role um, that mm. may be attending more CBAs uh, taking kickouts, uh, that that sort of thing, moving into the back line. And in the case of Rioli, he has taken up that very favourable role in the back line that is extremely conducive to Supercoach scoring. His scores in the last two games, 83 against Brisbane in a win and 111 uh, against the Cats on the weekend in a in a bad loss. Um, and that's been, those are his two scores since playing in that back line role. Obviously one a good win, one a bad loss. And that's very pleasing because it means that his I guess having that consistency in scoring despite the rest of the team. So it's not dependent on the rest of the team playing well or the rest of the team playing really poorly, um, which is which is good. It is a risk, obviously, due to the limited trades that we all have left. And I think the main concern I have is whether Dimmer decides to throw him forward for a week or... Um, or for half a game because of, I don't know, someone's gone down or there's a, they need to change things up. Um, but... His scoring on the weekend really does show what he's capable of on that back half line. His his quick, his his uh, disposal efficiency is very good. So he takes the game on. It's it's a really it's enjoyable to watch, but it's also really good for his super coach scoring. He is an absolute bargain if he can average that eighty to ninety for the rest of the season. Mm. And his only price is coming in at under three hundred k. That's a discount of over one hundred twenty five k. Um, from Isaac Heaney, who I don't trust at all. <laughs> no, I, I definitely don't trust him either. Um, and and really comes at a bit of a discount. Like he's dropped 48K in mm. price over the course of the season. I think he was dropped uh, from round 14 uh, onwards and made his return at round 17. And I think that coincided with uh, a couple of other points, uh, which I probably should bring up just as a bit of a, you know, a, a, a cautionary tale, I think, because... You should be very weary that, yes, he came in off the back of a couple of injuries to Richmond's defense, and that coincided with his shift into the back line for the Tigs. And uh, he's been switched down there off the back of injuries to Hooley, Floston, and Broad. And whilst Hooley is probably most likely out for the year, Floston is slated to return in a week or so, and Broad potentially even as soon as this week. So... You know, he's been joined by the likes of uh, Garthwaite and Stack in recent weeks to try and fill those holes. And you would hope he keeps his spot ahead of those two, um, especially Garthwaite. I think he's only played about three or four games prior to uh, making his return to the side. And Stack seems like a bit of a bit part player. Um, doesn't have that uh, that form behind him, behind him like Rioli does. 
So you think those two guys will lose those spots before mm, Rioli definitely. does, but you can you be, be sure. so sure? Yeah. The one, the one thing though with Rioli in terms of another positive, and again, I'll, I'll weigh it up alongside another potential uh, negative, but so we've, got to, we've got to give all sides of the coin here, but just in terms of his, uh, his scoring, the one part of his game that really helps him is he's super efficient. In his past couple of weeks alone, he's had 94%, this is against Brisbane, 94% disposal efficiency. And then on the weekend, he had 89% um, efficiency. That's that's really good. So I think it's that cleanness coming out of halfback, which it's hard to come by. Um, And I think something that, you know, is a hole that needed to be filled with Hooley not being there uh, as that clean type of player, uh, clean distributor coming out of defense. But must also mention in his first game back his first game in defense for the tigs coming out of the vfl he only scored 49 and that was with a disposal efficiency of 93 percent so uh that of course was in a loss against the pies um but i think there's enough there to suggest that his short-term security is sound but I think a longer term in terms of when you're heading towards the last two rounds of the season, when those guys return, I think it's something you just have to factor in, but he presents more of a calculated risk in my eyes compared to an Isaac Heaney. Yeah, I agree with you entirely there. So let's move on to, I guess, what we'll be doing this week, Damon. Now, I guess, what are you doing, Damon? Oh, well, if I had trades. (laughs) So yeah, I'm all out of trades. So I'm just going to sit back and quietly pray to the super coach gods and hope that they're super kind to me. But I have, uh, in terms of depth on the bench, the only thing I can do is try and, I guess, screen players a score. Um, And then if they score well, um, try and work out who I can sub off and Mm. and have like a non-playing player in to claim their score. So I have Briggs, Bianco and Madden as my main depth players. So I could potentially loop them depending on the fixtured games. Uh, I think (laughs) we've worked it out that... uh, Brisbane and the Giants have a Sunday game, so unfortunately I won't be able to screen their scores. But Bianco, I think I might be able to, potentially, uh, which is probably the one guy that I would be looking to uh, to screen anyway. Um, and I'm looking squarely at you, Taranto. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But overall, I'm just going to pray and hope. <laughs> what about yourself? Yeah, fair enough. For me, I am doing nothing. I'm doing nothing. Cool. I've got two trades. I'm going to hold them for a, for a week, I think, at this stage. Yeah. Unless there's obviously an injury and then I'll consider what I do from there. But I think at this stage, yeah, it's it's probably... I've got the double chance. Um, if I am able to not trade anyone and get through, then I've got two mm. trades <clears throat> running into the last two rounds. Um, if I don't make it through, I still have the second chance. So it's not the end of the world if I don't make a trade. Yep. Um, but I'm probably going to play it out that way. Um, there's no immediate need to trade. If I was to be trading, um, Ollie Wines would be on my radar, uh, potentially mm-hmm. looking at trading someone out for him if I had an injury. Um, Lockie Whitfield, if I didn't already have him. Like I, I really like all of these guys, but I think my... Three, two, one would be uh, Lockie Whitfield, one, Ollie Wines, two, and Rowan Marshall, three. And you know what? I'm going to go four with Daniel Rioli. I was going to, I was going to mention a bit of a left field one. Mm. Someone that's uh, that's still in a, a good run of form, but in terms of super coach wise, he's fallen, not in a heap, but he's fallen down a little bit. Mr. Marcus Bontempelli. Yeah. 
He's uh he's, he he peaked at 709.4k in round 15, but uh, since then in the past four weeks he's dropped down uh, 101k. Believe it or not, so he's now priced at 608.9k. Mm, okay. uh, he's been up and down in scoring 83, 114, 93, and 136, and he faces the Crows on the weekend, um, who he averages 131.2 against from six games. So eh, if you got the money, would you do it? I'm worried about Schellenberger. Sorry, Schellenberg. Yeah, I'd be worried about him going to Bond. Matthew Nix. Yeah, yeah. He did. He was the first to tag Parrish. So I'm not. Yep. I, I. I don't think it's without the realms of possibility that they do decide to tag uh, Bond. If he was a little bit cheaper, if he was like five eighty, five ninety. Yep. I'd consider it. The thing is, as well, and we found that out because I made a bit of a plea to uh, to Nixie. To tag Parrish. So can, can we use this opportunity to just say, Nixie, mate, can you please, for the love of Supercoach gods, please tag Bont? Because I'm going to say that the majority of coaches out there, um, oh, I'm not going to say, oh, probably not majority, he's only in 34% of teams, but just knowing the damage that he can do. So for those players, like myself, I'm facing uh, this majority of my opponents in the finals that have Bont. So if he has a downer off the back of a tag, Nixie, mate, I'm going to kiss your bald noggin. I'm going to polish it like <laughs> like our crystal ball and I'm going to kiss it. Is that weird? Yeah, I'm just going to move on. <laughs> I'm puckering up. <laughs> uh, I can't even go on now. Um, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's next segment. Next segment. What is it, Damon? It is. I'm the captain now. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Yes, that's right. Every week in I'm the captain now, we bring you our top choices for the vice captain or captain. We'll be discussing some of the key options and some that may even be a little bit left of field. Uh, before we start this chat, as I mentioned last week, just check the fixture. Um, things are changing. I don't know. We've done our best. Um, <laughs> we're not we're not in charge of fixturing, unfortunately. If we were, Essendon would not be playing their three home games in a row in uh, the Gold Coast, but uh, I digress. Yeah, let's kick it off with uh, the Friday game that has been announced. Um, it is my mob up against St Kilda. And you can pencil that in with a, a Carlton loss because we absolutely stink it no, up no, against no, the no, Saints. Facing them, thank you for the confidence. I don't think we will. <laughs> uh, hopefully, though. But uh, yeah, facing them at seven thirty PM at Marvel Stadium. There's another knock on Carlton St Kilda. It's the home stadium, not ours. Uh, even though we claim it to be, um, the guy that uh, you should be looking at from St Kilda side of things is Jack Steele, averaging mm. in his last four 120 against my mob with scores of 136, 99, 101 and 144 as uh, we bang on about all the time. High floor, high ceiling, uh, someone you can really hang your hat on and I think someone that uh, you should consider with your VC. Yeah, definitely. But there is another guy though, isn't there, Lynn? There is. Another guy. Another, another my guy. My boy. Is, does anyone know this guy, Sam Walsh? Mm, he's not just a guy. <laughs> he's your boy. He's my boy. Yeah, <laughs> boy. Average in the last four of 75.67 with scores of 58, 93, 76. Um, not the greatest, but uh, he is in a hot run of form in recent weeks with scores of 131, 138, 158, 193 uh, since round 15 before Jai Simkin put a halt to it with an 81, the bastard. Uh, <laughs> without a tag. I don't know, does St. Kilda's tag? Dunstan, maybe? Mm. Mm, 
yeah, I don't think they'll have a hard tag. I'd expect him to, to potentially bounce back. Yeah, Ross, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't... I mean, yeah. I guess Jai Simkin wasn't a, wasn't a tagger. So, no. we don't know. Mm, comes with a little bit of an element of risk there. I, I don't think Carlton are going to tag. Could use Kerno potentially, uh, as a tagger on Jack Steele, but... I think from what I've been seeing, they prefer to have Kerno on the wing uh, in recent times. Mm. But who knows? They may change it up because desperate times. But I think as as we've discussed at ad nauseum for weeks and weeks, yep. Jack Steele's scoring floor comes from his tackles. So yep. if he's not getting the ball, if he's being tagged, he's not getting the ball. He's still mm. going to be able to tackle, which is yep. uh, which is nice for his scoring. Yeah, so compared to my boy Walsh, as much as it hurts me to say, I'll probably prefer to go for Steele over Walshy. Yeah, I would too. Uh, moving on to the next set of uh, candidates in the next game. It is the Doggies up against Adelaide on Saturday at 12.20pm. Confirmed in the coldest place on earth, I'm going to claim, <laughs> at Mars Stadium in Ballarat. And uh, works into the Bulldogs' favour, actually, as you'd know, um, given those conditions down there. And first up, we have Marcus Bontempelli. And like I mentioned earlier, his average against them in his last four, 139 with scores of 199, <laughs> 140, 120, and 97. Now, Nixie, I know you're listening, mate. If this isn't reason enough to tag the man Bontempelli, then I don't know what is. Like, just come on, mate. Who cares about Libba? He's going he's gonna to get the ball. He's going to get the pill. You cut off one head, another one reappears in dunks because you're going to get him more time in the middle. He's the extractor. So do something. Or, or even better, I'm going to say this, antagonize him. Make him throw an elbow. Oh, oh Sorry, yes. not an elbow because if you throw an elbow, no, that's then you, okay. may, yeah, that's, you may get off okay. because elbows are okay because we saw with Buddy. Um, maybe just get under his skin so he throws a punch, mm. Clarko style, and just give someone a bit of a left hook. Bang. Out for three weeks. Out for yes. four weeks. Oh, how good would that be? Oh. But talking about this week, though, <laughs> in terms of what he's averaging, <laughs> if you are an owner of Bont, and apologies if you are for what we've just gone on about, but uh, yes, he does present himself, goes without saying, as an option for the VC or even the C if you uh, happen to put the VC on steel yeah, or definitely. Walsh. I think Bont is a very good option for your VC. Um 139 average, 199 in his last game, 140. There's some great captaincy scores there. Uh, going on to his next, on his to his teammate, Jack McRae. His average in the last four isn't too shabby either. 133 oh. with scores of 118, 119, 177, and 118. Obviously, those scores are dragged up by that 177. He's in a good run of form as well, though, um, which obviously helps. But only of those four scores, only one of them is captainable does it change your mind about him looking at that full breakdown i think it does um because i thought like looking at his average of 133 i thought it might have been like a you know like you a know, 140 150 yeah, 120 sort of thing yeah. yeah i don't mind him as a vc so i have in that first game i only have walsh yeah um as a captain option um sorry as a vc option so i would probably i don't mind the idea of putting the vc on jack mccray um or even rory led uh who we'll discuss in a minute but uh, I wouldn't put him the, if, if I was VCing Steel and Steel didn't didn't uh, perform to expectation of one twenty five. Um, I would probably not consider Jack McRae as my captain. One thing I must mention though, as well, in his five games at Mars Stadium, he's averaging one thirty six point six. Um, so his highest score there is 147 and lowest score of one nineteen. So I guess that probably ties in with his current average at the moment. So. Yeah. 
eh, it doesn't really shed too much more positive light, but probably backs up just what we we're saying there. Um, moving on to uh, same game, but opposition. Rory Laird averaging his last four 100.5 with scores of 77, 104, 102, and 119. So not the best in terms of that, but you have a look at his three-round average and it is 135 and a five-round average of 128.6. So presents himself as a bit of a, uh, a sneaky left-field mm. option that some people may not consider off the back of uh, historical form. I don't mind him as the VC. I mm. really don't mind him as a VC. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard with McRae Laird in that team for me. Um, and if you yeah. have Bond, if you have Bond, McRae and Laird, ooh, you'd have to go mm. Bond. You'd have to go Bond. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Until he hits someone and gets put put off his game. Yep. yep. Nixie, Nixie, do it, mate. We do not condone violence. No, uh, no. Moving on, <laughs> North versus Geelong, Saturday, 1.15pm at Blundstone Arena down in Tasmania. I reckon that'd be pretty cold. Still not as cold as Ballarat, <laughs> coldest place on earth. <laughs> in that game, there's only really one... One option that I'd be considering, and that is the one, the only, Patrick Dangerfield, averaging in his last four against North, not very well, actually, 100 <laughs> on the dart with scores of, <laughs> sorry, this is really flat now, of yeah. scores of 75, 89, 99, oh. and 137. Again, only one captain score there. That 75 did come from earlier in the season when he did suffer that injury. I think it was to his syndesmosis. Um, yep. As it always As is. It always is. Now, ankle, it's an ankle injury. It's a syndesmosis. Yep. Uh, in in the last four weeks, though, Danger has scored 184, 97, 134, 165. Another good option relatively early in the round. It's it's a, it's a tough round when you look at it. I think mm. there's not much value in the later games. There's a lot of value in the early games, and it's going to be it's going to be a tough one. I think it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, someone to look at, that's for sure, just based on recent form alone. Uh, moving on to the next game, Gold Coast against the D's on Saturday at 3.10pm. And the venue is TBC and um, slated for a, a game in Melbourne, potentially, as opposed to Gold Coast. Yeah, so this one was meant to be in Darwin. I think that's obviously off, off the cards now, but I don't yeah. have announced the game yet it was slated. I think it's something to do with the I don't know what they're calling it the COVID passage or something like in terms of moving from Queensland to Victoria without having to do the uh what do you call it the quarantine um so if they can get that cleared I think they might try and host it in Gold Coast but if not it'll be in Mm. Melbourne in front of no fans but in terms of that game uh Took Miller he's uh he's featured in this uh every week and for good reason (laughs) Uh, I must say, though, his average in his last four against the Ds haven't been too crash hot with 99.75 with scores of 142, 65, 108 and 84. But he does fit into that category of someone who is killing it with his recent form because his three-round average is 126 and his five-round average is 130.8. So it makes him the perfect candidate. Yes, very nice there. Uh, On the other side of the the field, we've got Clayton Oliver averaging his last four against... The mm-hmm. Suns, 142.75. That's Oof. scores of 106, 175, 143, 147. The complete opposite, I guess, of um, Jack McRae with three of those scores being captainable and only yeah. one of them not. Um, I actually quite like that. A, he's in some good form as well. So a bad option, not a bad option. Yeah, the, the one thing about him as well is he's hit uh, form at the right time as well, the mm. weekend. Uh, as we saw, scored 144. He did taper off a little bit in the game, but it's probably due to the Bulldogs just coming out. And 
absolutely uh, smashing it. But there's another guy that um, I'm equally as invested in, and it is his teammate in Max Gorn. Now, Gorny, he, uh, he's coming up against the Suns who lack a genuine Ruckman uh, because Wittar isn't there, of course, um, oh, uh, with right. his knee injury, I think it is. And the Suns concede the most ranking points to opposition Ruckman in their last five games. So obviously the Ds need to win to maintain a spot in the top four. And I think they're going to come out firing. And it coincides with Gorney's uh, historical form against the Suns. And his average in his last four against them is 130.5 with scores of 153, 109, 148, and 112. So that combined with the fact that he's going to be facing... uh, virtually no Ruckman and uh, yeah Brisbane played Gold Coast on the weekend and this is just backing up the I guess form of uh, opposition Ruckman against the Suns and McInerney mm. he scored 148 on the weekend yeah uh, 39 hitouts, 16 contested possessions 18 disposals and I mean given Gorn is, is twice the Ruckman of McInerney given that given the fact that his historical average is quite good at all for me is tick 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 and I'd much prefer to go him over Oliver based on that alone. But 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 is this just another opportunity for Luke Jackson to uh Oh, don't take oh. I think it's just something we've seen in, in recent weeks. Um as as we've spoken about. Um I think mm. it was against Collingwood, Gorn was gonna go in against a Grundyless uh, Collingwood lineup and they decided to let uh, Luke Jackson take a bit more of that role. Um, that's my only concern with Maxi Gorn. It, it can be counted though for the weekend and for the past two weeks actually. Or maybe let's have a look at the uh, the CBAs for Luke Jackson since round sixteen. He, he actually topped at forty uh, percent and Gorn had sixty, and then it was twenty seven percent to Luke Jackson, seventy three percent to Gorn, mm. and then it's gone up again for Gorn to seventy eight. Jackson's gone down to twenty two. And then on the weekend, round 19, Gorn's gone up to 88% and Jackson's gone down to 12%. So there's been a decline for Jackson and an incline for Gorn. So uh, Very nice. Maybe Jackson is uh, tiring out and I think maybe they're trying to... Just manage him. Preserve him and manage Manage him, I think. Yeah. And I think given the fact that now a top four spot is on the line, I think there's, there's probably more reason to play that established player in Gorn. Uh, with more ample time in the middle, so very nice, very nice insight there. Uh, as we say, even though we've got the crystal ball here and we've got stats like that to help us out, um, there's it still may happen where Jackson gives Gorn more of a chop out than we've seen in the past month. So I think, given that, I, I'm willing to bank it on Gorn as a bit of a calculated risk. But yeah, that's that's just me. But uh, as someone that that stands out to me as a as a really good candidate um, as a VC, most definitely, if you're not going for anyone in uh, the prior matches, but uh, also as a C, potentially. Definitely. That makes sense to me. Uh, moving on, we've got Collingwood uh, against West Coast on Saturday afternoon, 4.15 game. I think it's slated for the MCG, but I've also heard that it could be over in Perth. Um, so not entirely sure what the plan <laughs> is right now for that game. The only real player that I think is... Um, one to consider, and that's Brody Grundy. Average in his last four, 116, and that's made up of scores of 134, 61, 132, and 137. That 61 really does drag down his average there. Mm, yeah, he's uh, <sighs> uh, it's a bit of a tough one. Yeah. Uh, come up against Nick Nat, uh, quality Ruckman, uh, MCG. That 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 may again 
maybe tip the scales in favor of Grundy as opposed to Nick Nat. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But... I think I would avoid it. His recent weeks, he's had some really good historical averages and hasn't hasn't fired. So yeah, it's, true. it's one that I would probably not look to personally. Yeah, and he's burnt you as well, and he didn't respond to your rocket. So mm. off the back of, back of that alone, I think, yeah, it's probably worth waiting to see some uh, decent recent form uh, before jumping on him. So, yeah, he's not factoring in for me either. But moving on to the next game, which is Essendon against Sydney on Saturday at 7.40pm at the Gabba. And uh, first... I guess candidate is Zach Merritt. Um, like we mentioned, had a bit of a downer on the weekend. I guess an outlier in terms of his form across the entire yeah. season. But his average in his last four against Sydney is 112.75 with scores of 104, 159, 129 and a 59. So, um, yeah, I don't mind him. I don't mind him, but I'd probably look elsewhere. Yeah, I would too. Uh, Darcy Parrish, average in his last four, 87.5 with scores of 99, 86, 70, 95. Obviously, different role. Um, the 99 would have come this year, but was before he really started in that real midfield, um, midfield-centric role, uh, being the clearest player. I'd give him a miss this week. I think there's better options. Uh, yes, we obviously know that he has the ability to find the ball, but I think there's options that I think are more sure than uh, my boy, unfortunately. Mm. I do expect him to bounce back, but I'm going to be looking elsewhere. Just going to give him a rest from the captaincy for, for a week or yep. two. Um, I think, as we said, there's the potential for that Hewitt tag um, as well that could come for either Zach Merritt or Darcy Parrish. I'm not sure. Um, I think there's better options earlier in the round um, that yep. I'll be I'll be looking to exploit. Um, moving on to uh, the second last game as Hawthorne against Brizzy on Sunday at 2.10pm at the uh, University of Tasmania Stadium. But uh, Dane Zorko is one of the two options I think uh, you could be looking at. Averaging his last four against the Dorks is 95.75 with scores of 52, 85, 125 and 121. But um, I don't own him, so he's not, not factoring in for me. Um, and I think, like we've mentioned, uh, there's other options out there yeah. that uh, present better. Historical form and his current form lead me to say no I'm not going to go with yep. him if I ever don't have him moving on to the next option Jared Lyons average in his last 410 with scores of 115 127 108 and 90 I think he fits very much so into the same mould as Dane Zorko potentially if I had to choose between the two I'd probably put it on Lyons um, but I just think he's not the best option yeah no exactly I mean his, his scoring hasn't been too bad and it's sort of pushing up towards uh, captaincy territory there but yeah average of 110 I'd like to see something upwards of a, you know 125 uh, as we know that's that's sort of our benchmark score there so uh, the fact that he's only made that score once in those past four matches against Hawthorne yeah uh, not factoring in for me, uh, moving on to the last game, which is uh, the Giants up against Port Adelaide Sunday at 3.10pm. Venue TBC. Uh, the one candidate, Liam, is uh, someone who <laughs> you like. and um, I do. I do. I do like him. Uh, and he's someone I reckon that you might pull a bit of a Swifty on to bring him in. Ollie Wines. Average in his last four... He's only 84, with scores of 85, 75, 92, and 84, so he hasn't even cracked the ton. But his three-round average of 129 has him in very good form and uh, pushing into, uh, I guess, captaincy calculations here. 
uh, but it is made up of scores of 122, 154, and 111, and only one of which is captaincy worthy. And uh, I guess with the Giants, with the ball potentially back in the side, means he can or yeah, face a bit of a tag from the human glove. Uh, but as a late Sunday pick, could be a bit of a Hail Mary if you need it. Yeah, I I don't mind him. Um, I think, as we've said, there's better options. It's, it's just unfortunate that they're all really crammed yeah. into like the three hours, not even three hours, into two hours and 50 minutes of yeah. um, <laughs> of Saturday afternoon. Um, but if, if you really needed a Hail Mary, you could go for it. I, don't, I think it's a big risk, though. Yeah. So, Damon, who are you going with? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm tempted to whack the uh, the VC on steel uh, first up yeah, on nice. a Friday night. It's always good, isn't it? Good feeling when you have the VC on someone that just comes out and absolutely smashes it. And I think steel could very well do that. Um, and then I actually originally had marked down McRae as my potential C, but uh, looking at that, that analysis a bit closer, mm. or that historical breakdown of McRae scores, um, against the Crows. I'm actually looking elsewhere, and I think Gorn will factor in as the definite C. Um, so it's either VC on Steel, the C on Gorn, or the VC on McRae into the C on Gorn. So I think I'm going to prefer to go the VC on Steel and the C on Gorn. What about yourself? Yeah, I think I was pretty similar. I was thinking McRae into probably Clayton Oliver. Um, but it's just going to be tough because that game starts at 12.20. The Gold Coast-Melbourne game at this stage starts at 3.10. Um, yep. uh, I don't know. I might go Rory Laird VC into either Oliver or Gorn C. Um, probably leaning more towards Oliver. Yeah, I mean, uh, Oliver's got the, the better average, so and he's, he's hit form again, like we said, at the right time. Mm. It depends on conditions as well, I think, as well. Like, it depends where they're playing, and that's why it's so hard for us to really comment uh, 100% on these these players because, yeah, if they're playing in pouring rain, for example, and Gold Coast, obviously, I mean, they, they play in dewy conditions up on the coast, but if, if they're playing in pouring rain and, like, terrible conditions like Melbourne, uh, the doggies, and Oliver thrives in those conditions, as we saw on the weekend. Exactly. So if it is a wet game, it's not played at, at Marvel Stadium, it's played at the G, and that, that conditions are terrible, then you'd probably tip the scales in favour of Oliver as opposed to a Gorn. Gorn, I mean, yeah, if it's wet conditions, you're going to get more stoppages and, and ball-ups, so more opportunity for Gorn to get hit-outs to advantage. So it helps him out in that sense as well. But uh, in terms of pure grunt work, um, bull-of-the-gate type stuff with Oliver, uh, thriving at the contested ball, I think, yeah, that, that ups his stakes as well. So it's something that I will have to be happily factor in um, closer to game day, yeah, I think. But, um, likewise. Yeah, either of those two guys, I think, are, are good. Likewise. I think if I had my pick of any player, it'd probably be Bonten Pally as my VC. Moving on to the last uh, last bit of the show, Ooh. and it's uh, getting a bit of an insight into our Supercoach Edge group rankings and the highest score, Liam, for yeah, the weekend. How'd they go? They went very well, very well. Completely opposite to my score. Um, <laughs> 2,694, to be exact. Uh, they ranked 15th for the round and 55th overall oh. in, in, in the whole of Supercoach. Well that done. was Tim with his team Chips and Salad. Chips and Salad. Yeah, Chips. I mean, I normally just go Chips. Yeah, I, don't, I just pass up on the salad. Yeah, mm, Chips, yeah. just Chips. I ask that they can replace the salad with Chips. Um, it's very rare that you get Chips and Salad together, mm, isn't it? I think... Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. It's normally chips you or salad. You kind of get the option. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so very much a chips though. Chips man. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> Moving on to the uh, the overall leader and uh, drum roll, not even needed, because it is the carryover overall leader, Arthur of Black on White, twelfth round in a row. I wonder next year if anyone's actually going to beat this this streak because yeah, this is massive. When Arthur, and we're going to say when because no doubt he's going to win, he gets his name on the virtual plaque of uh, Supercoach Edge Group winners, and that's going to be a, a, another sort of feather in his cap is consecutive rounds mm, uh, at the one, top. Yeah. So uh, I wonder if anyone can, can, can beat yeah. him. Yeah. Well, looking at his, looking at his score, he's 43,532. He's risen in mm. ranks from 12th to 8th um, with his score of 2,551. Very nice there. And second yeah. place. Second place is still over 350 points behind. That team is sitting in 27th overall. Um, and it'd be a pretty massive effort, you'd expect, to overtake Arthur from there. But... Uh, I mean, we did mm. see on the weekend that you you came in by over two hundred and something points. Two hundred and five yeah, points. Yeah, so that's exactly right. I was about not, to mention that. It's not Glad you not did. impossible. Not impossible. Um, yeah, but I think my money would be on Arthur at this stage. Yeah, I think if we're going to frame the market, he'd probably be about a, a dollar. I think, given that he's he's been twelve weeks in a row, I'd say he's a dollar five chance. Yeah, um, and he's getting shorter and shorter. So. Uh, yeah, we wouldn't be taking it. Very, very much at the stage where it would be uh, normal bets, mm. as they say, at the roulette wheel of the blackjack table at Crown. Um, but for those who want to get involved, and it's not too late, there's only four weeks to go. <laughs> but uh, if you want to get involved uh, and follow along with uh, the yeah, the consistent run of form with Arthur of Black and White, you can join our Supercoach Edge group. The code is 7982960. And Liam, whoever ends up on top in the group, at season's end, yes. What uh, what happens to them? What do they get their hands they on? They get a shiny ring from uh, mm. the guys at Supercoach Championship Rings. A lovely jewel encrusted Supercoach Championship ring. It's uh, it is. It's 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 bling of the highest order. You just you don't want to miss out on this. I can see you furiously looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got it. Woo! I was like, now that you mention it, I wonder if it's still got it around here. And yes, it's it's still here. It's next to my. Uh, my prized possession in uh, which I've just purchased and uh, <laughs> it is my Sam Walsh uh, draft pick signature card Lovely. Um, which cost a pretty penny and it's uh, I'd say the super coach ring is is worth almost as much as the card but um, it's equally as much of a prized possession at Definitely. the moment so no I haven't lost that but uh, they get the ring what else do they get they also get the ultimate bragging rights that's a given but We'll also have a chat with you in the final podcast of the season. So you can follow up uh, off the back of, uh, or ride the coattails of uh, the likes of Clem uh, and M. Supercoach Mama, yeah. As well, uh, who we had a great chat with last week. And if you uh, missed her chat, be sure to go back and, and tune in for that because she does give, uh, most of it was, was a lot of banter, a lot of giggling, <laughs> um, mostly from myself giggling. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good chat with her and she gave quite a few good insights as well. So did she, I haven't checked, did she maintain her spot in number one? She did. Absolutely. Love she did. It. So she's going great guns at the moment and um, I don't know if she's made any trades. So I think she's in a good position at the moment um, from what she yeah, was she saying. Was, she was in a very good position. To us. And you know, how she was talking about, um, uh, Hawkins, who she said she had no idea why she brought into her side. Well, now we know because he killed it on the weekend again. So hopefully for her sake, he keeps uh, his runner form up and she can keep her stranglehold on the number one spot because uh, it'd be awesome to see 
her take out the crown, and especially as well, I don't know if we mentioned uh, last week, but we have yet to see a female winner of Supercoach. Mm. So to wear the the crown uh, as the queen of Supercoach, I mean, that's we refer to her as the queen of Supercoach. Um, but yeah, that's this be great, great to see a win just in terms of that as well, breaking new ground. Yeah, don't you love to see it? You love to see it. For sure. But uh, that brings us to the very end of the episode. Thanks for those of you who have tuned in. I know a lot of people out there are kind of ghost shipping it, uh, who have run out of trades or haven't made finals. But for those of you who love to hear our uh, stupid, you know, hot takes and <laughs> probably call them cold takes and, uh, and, and ridiculous banter and everything else in between, thank you so much for tuning in once again. Yes, thank you very much. But um, before we truff off into the sunset and, uh, and concentrate on building our lineup, not with the optimizer, Liam. Not, not with, with the optimizer, optimizer I'm going to stop myself. <laughs> Please do. Uh, before we, we do that uh, and crunch the numbers as we head into the finals, where can our listeners find us across socials? Yes, you'll find us at, at supercoach underscore edge. Myself at, at Liam Evans underscore 95. You'll find Damon at, at Damon J88. If you ever want to you know, join in some fun banter, just yep. messages there. Um, supercoach Edge, uh, search that on Facebook or on Instagram and you'll find us there. And if you want to send us an email, um, AFL Supercoach Edge at gmail.com is where you'll reach us. Absolutely. And uh, with that, bidding everyone uh, who are still were lucky enough to make finals, yes. all the very best. And hopefully you come away with a win, whether or not you're in an elimination final or if you're in qualifying finals. So hopefully you can secure that uh, that spot in the prelim or make it through to the next round. So all the very best to those of you out there still in contention and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, catch you then. I'm not a rapper. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.